good luck with the most beautiful game. Do us proud. Red alert! They're up and running again. So smooth, so sweet, splendid, succinct, just glorious execution. Guys, all I'm looking for is 60% effort or 1,000% of the time. How sharp was that? Sharp of mind and body. And that's why you see those beautiful tears. Look at his movements. The most dangerous man on the planet. Nobody picks him up. Hello, everyone. We are back. It's Wonder Goal, soccer betting podcast from the Action Network, presented to you by Bet365. My name is Michael Lieboff. Joining me for season three of our intrepid podcast are my friends and co-host, Anthony DeBundo, coming from us, coming to us from King of Prussia, Pennsylvania. BJ Cunningham. Dubuque, Iowa. I'm Michael Leboff from Long Island, New York. And before I bring in these two gentlemen, just a reminder that Wonder Goal is proudly presented by Bet365, the world's favorite sportsbook brand. Sign up with promo code ACTION to get Bet365's exclusive sign-up offer. Bet $1 on any game. Get $200 in bonus bets. You must be 21 or older. The offer is available in Colorado, New Jersey, Ohio, Virginia, and Iowa in the United States. If you have a gambling problem, please call or text one 800 Gambler. Gentlemen, this is our Premier League preview episode. One of our favorite times of year. Our hearts aren't broken. We don't know which teams we will love. We don't know which teams we will hate. That's not true. We know what teams we will love. But uh, it's a new slate, a new board. Let's look at the new board. Wouldn't you know Man City is an odds-on favorite to win the league. They are minus 138. At Bet365. Then it's Arsenal 5 to 1, Liverpool 8 to 1, United 11 to 1, Chelsea 12 to 1, Newcastle 14 to 1, Tottenham 40 to 1, <laughs> Brighton, Hove Albion 50 to 1, everybody else mm-hmm. triple digits or longer. Anthony, uh, you and I are kind of on the same page uh, here with how we'd play this. I do have a bet that I wouldn't make. Um, it's, it's more of a, a for fun long shot but uh what are you seeing here in the title race any betting value on the board at the moment yeah so you know we tend to overreact to what we just saw and that has massive implications on the betting market so let's go back to just last season coming into the year we did this podcast tottenham was the third favorite to win the premier league chelsea was the fourth favorite uh, and the whole idea was, you know, nobody wants Arsenal, nobody wants United. And the season played out in pretty much the complete opposite. Tottenham and Chelsea were an embarrassment for large parts of the season. Arsenal uh, had their big surge before they blew the title. And uh, United took a, a good step forward under under Ten Hag in the first year. And now the market is completely flipped. Nobody wants Tottenham. Nobody wants Chelsea. Everybody can't wait to line up to bet Arsenal. Uh, they and a BJ got some eight to one. They're now down to five to one in the market. Uh, I can't get there on five to one. Gabriel Jesus goes down with an injury now. Looks like he's going to miss the first month of the season. Arsenal is a really 
great. I think they've had a great summer. I think the three biggest concerns with Arsenal were, uh, you know, striker, which now is a concern again, central midfield depth and age, which they got Declan Rice and defensive back depth, center back depth, and they got uh, Jurian Timber. So there's a lot of reasons to be excited if you're an Arsenal fan. And I get why BJ is so excited to bet the Gunners, uh, but I just don't really think the numbers there. I mean, do they, do they really win the league here more than 20% of the time, 15, 16, 17% of the time? I don't think so. Uh, not against City. The thing about City is, on one hand, there is the whole regression, exhaustion angle where they don't have as much depth and they just had the, the ultimate peak in soccer with the treble. Now they might struggle and, and the motivation could drop. But it's also the first time they've had a real offseason since before COVID. Uh, and, you know, City, uh, for the first time, comes into a, a season with a pretty settled squad. Uh, where there aren't pieces coming and going and a lot of news, you know, they're going to get Guardiola in uh, and, and whatnot, and you know, probably one or two more players before the end of it all. Um, there's really no holes in the city team either, unless Walker leaves. So I, I really think that I'm hoping city starts slow again. I don't think they're going to, because the schedule is very friendly to begin and hope to get in on city at a better price. But uh, ultimately I think there's just too many question marks about Liverpool, who is the only team that I think has that ceiling still to match City if City's at its best. I think Arsenal can match City if City's a little worse. If City does really come down, I think Arsenal's floor is very high now. But I think Liverpool, with their attacking firepower, is the only team with the ceiling to go toe-to-toe with City. And given their defensive issues that I don't really know that they've fixed, I'm still kind of holding here. I want to build up that because I actually think you should expect city to come back down a little bit. And it's not just about the motivation. Cause I mean, we see t- like Bayern has won 10 Bundesliga's in a row. I, I, like teams are going to be motivated to win the title, no matter what happened the season before. I don't, I don't really buy too much into that, but what I do think is the league is better. Like th- we're now talking, the big six isn't a thing anymore. It's now, there's now eight really, really, really good teams in the premier league, like eight of the best teams in Europe are in the Premier League when we now add Newcastle and, and Brighton to to the big six. So right away, that just makes the chasing pack deeper. And it means that these teams are all going to kind of beat up on each other. So I think that the, the, the point total that you need to win the league is going to come down. I think it's going to turn into more of a Kentucky Derby style title race where it's, you know, the, the field is much wider than a normal horse race. And it's just going to be a, a war of attrition. And that's why I actually don't hate a bet on Spurs at all. They're 44 to one. It's hot. That, that's the highest number I've seen out there. I actually think they have a high ceiling because I I really like uh, Ange Postacoglu. I'll, I'll figure out how to pronounce uh, his, his Greek name at some point throughout this, this podcast, but it, he's the type of guy that seems to just invigorate a squad uh, when he comes in. This is a team that's needed that that's been crying out for that for a long time. You know that they have the, the attacking firepower to score. They get the fullbacks that they needed. The midfield's good. I, I mean, I, I don't think that this is too different from, you know, what we saw at Arsenal last year, which which is, you know, a team from this range that just needs things to go, break right for it to put some pressure on City. That's the only only title bet that I would come, go close to because, like you said, the number is just not even close on Arsenal or Liverpool or United. 
like Chelsea, Chelsea, Chelsea. I think should, like if Chelsea was 30 to one, then we could have an interesting conversation, but I agree. They're not yeah. like, this is these, these numbers are outrageous. And the league is so top heavy that you understand why I mean, Brighton 50 to one is insane. That's insane. Like we love Brighton, but they shouldn't be 50 to one to win the league. Um, I, think, I, think, I think there's like a 20 to one out there, which is um, Brighton right. winner, winner without man city. Uh, which yeah, I, which I am tempted by. I, I actually think you're you're kind of right about the whole uh, the whole point about it kind of being a very wide field because the the top eight has gotten so strong relative to Europe, relative to each other. And I really think uh, there's not a team in the top eight where I feel like they had a bad summer or like where I feel like they're moving in the wrong direction. Not one team except maybe City, but City starts from such a high perch to the point where I kind of think that like two to seven or eight might be really, really tight. And City could get dragged into it for sure, but... Uh, Especially if they start know, slow, which as, which... as we get more into the bets on like what else we're betting, top four, top six and stuff, you'll kind of see a theme where I think that like two to four are getting a lot of market respect. And I'm not sure there's a huge gap between, you know, a Liverpool United and a Newcastle versus like a Tottenham and a Chelsea right. or Bright, Brighton trying to make that move up the table or stay up there uh, from last season. So yeah, I, I, I tend to think that uh, th- this is going to be an extremely fun season for the top. Uh, and that we have BJ and I were talking two blobs. We have the top blob and then we have the bottom blob. Whereas last year it felt even the year before, like four tiers, maybe this year, it really feels like there's like two tiers and then everybody in the middle, like two teams in the middle. And, and, and BJ, we'll, we'll bring you in one second. Cause we know where this conversation goes once, once, once we do bring you in. But the one other thing I want to point out is like this in, in a league, like the premier league, where it's, it's just, you know, an absolute soap opera last year when we did our, season preview if i told you that not only was graham potter gonna leave brighton mad at chelsea and then be fired from chelsea just to be just to be replaced by frank lampard who was just previously fired by everton like you you guys would call me crazy but the point is that there's no reason to bet these shorter numbers in my mind at least when you're walking into a league that stuff like that roy hodgson is is the is managing crystal palace right like Weird things are going to happen between this moment and when we got when we wrap up the season in May. Who knows who's going to still be you know standing? And I just think in in that case, like it it just makes a lot more sense when when it is going to be a wide field. These horses are all going to be bumping into each other all season long. They're going to be beating one another all season long. That's going to bring down the ceiling that you need to to win the league. And it should keep. I think all eight of these teams. You know, m- maybe one or two has a Chelsea type season from last year that things just don't click at all but six of the eight let's say are going they're just going to be in it so why not take the longest number i think on a team with with a high ceiling with a new manager who i think really can just stoke a fire under a team i think that's maybe his best asset uh so yeah i'm going to be playing spurs i i i think that this team especially you know i think they'll hold on to kane and even if they don't richardson's better than him anyway so like i'm not i'm not too too fussed so yeah, I'm I'm continuing to talk myself into Tottenham Hotspur as a uh, a little sprinkle at 44 to one, just just to give me one team going into the season. Uh, all right, BJ, welcome back. Hi, Michael. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I'm ready for this Premier League season. I mean, I am. I'm so excited about my Gunners because I, for the first time as a fan, I truly feel confident in their abilities to challenge for the title. Now, you just mentioned the rest of the teams. They're kind of vying for the title right now. Well, 
you know, in my mind, you know, Tottenham and Chelsea are going through transitional periods with different managers, different philosophies, and it's going to take some time for those two. So I think they, they obviously don't have Europe to deal with. So, you know, you have that aspect of, you know, putting everything into the Premier League. But again, a team like Chelsea is, I mean, the roster overhaul here with Chelsea is just so massive and you're changing systems. It's We'll get to them in a little bit. You know, same thing with Tottenham, who I agree with you guys is you know, a team that I'm looking to buy changing a system that might the Premier League. But for Arsenal, it really comes down to them what they did in the transfer market to make sure that they got to the level of what Manchester City is. So if we go back to last season, what happened to Arsenal that caused them to essentially derail their title hopes? Well, it was injuries. You know, for the last 11 matches, (laughs) they they couldn't defend. They couldn't defend. Right. Exactly. William Saliba got hurt. And it just totally messed up everything Arsenal was doing. Over those last last 11 matches, Arsenal conceded 1.45 expected goals per 90 minutes. That's really, really bad. That's like close to Liverpool numbers. Uh, but with Saliba, the first 27 matches, they only conceded 0.97 expected goals per 90 minutes. So those are Yuri Mina type splits. Exactly. Those, are, those definitely are, Michael. Uh, so that's what we have here now with Arsenal is that, you know, Saliba's obviously healthy, but what did Arsenal also was working against Arsenal is their most versatile defender, Tomiyasu, was also hurt for the rest of the season. So they had to play Rob Holding, who's not great in build-up play and overall just not really that great of a defender. And it totally derailed everything Arsenal was trying to do. So what does Mikel Arteta do? He goes out and gets Urien Timber, who is another very versatile center back who can play right center back, right back, even into the midfield, and gives Arsenal a ton, a ton of depth along that back line. And he can also invert into the middle of the pitch. So now you have him and Zimchenko. Like, good luck trying to plan for what Arsenal is going to do and what Mikel Arteta is going to do. And Declan Rice is obviously just the perfect signing. Best defensive midfielder in the entire world right now at 24, just reaching his peak. Led the Premier League with 63 interceptions last season. Was is an unbelievable transition defender. Oh, and also had 240 progressive passes. That was eighth in the Premier League. Playing for a West Ham team that held the third most possession in the Premier League. So now you have him. You signed Kai Havertz to basically replace Granite Xhaka. And now you're going to play him alongside Odegaard in a 4-3-3. And Kai Havertz is somebody that I'm very, very interested in this season. He obviously went through a poor finishing run with Chelsea last year, but he's not a true number nine. If you remember when he came over from Bayer Leverkusen, he was playing more as a right wing or a number 10 role, and he was flourishing in that. And then Chelsea, because of their terrible business, did not basically never actually tried to sign a number nine. So he had to play there, and he went through a bad finishing run, and everybody says he stinks. I don't see that. You also have two of the best wingers in the Premier League and Saka and Martinelli, and you just have depth everywhere with Trossard. Even Reese Nelson had a great season last season. He'll be a good backup to Bakayo Saka. And Nikita Anthony is just as good as Gabriel Jesus. I don't think there's going to be this massive drop-off just because he's hurt for a few games. That I really don't see it. Nikita played very, very well in a fill-in role for, the, for that a middle period of last season when Gabriel Jesus was hurt. Her transfermarket.com, guys... Arsenal is now the most valuable squad in the entire world at 1.22 billion, just barely surpassing City. Now, I think once uh, Govidal comes over, I think that will uh, City will eventually surpass Arsenal. But Arsenal, what they've done to give themselves tactical flexibility, to give them depth because they're going to be back in the Champions League, has really elevated them, to, in my opinion, to the level of Manchester City because of the business that they've done this off season. So yes, I've grabbed Arsenal already at eight to one, five to one. I agree is, is a little short, but I truly believe they're, they're on that level with city right now. So 
I wouldn't, I still think that's probably the cutoff I would play him at is five to one, but I truly still believe that 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 price is still a tad high given what Arsenal has now in terms of the talent on their squad and with Declan Rice just completely changing the fold and allowing Arsenal to have ultimate game control, similar to what Pep has been doing with Manchester City. So Arsenal five to one. I love them to win the title. Outside of them, like I, I agree with you guys, you know, Tottenham at 44 to one is is somewhat interesting. And I do like the business that Tottenham has done uh, this offseason, but also transferring from a low block passive centric team into a team that's now going to build out of the back, high pressing, high energy. That's a massive change to make. And I think you'll see them get better as the season goes along. I think 44 to one. I think that's, that's part of the reason I like it. Too. Yeah, I know. It's, it's like, it's like, a decent it's, price, but like, you know, at the same time, it's like, it's going to take some time for him to implement a system. So um, yeah, Arsenal is only the place I'm going. Um, yeah, I, I really, truly believe the Gunners can, can really contend this season for a title. The one other thing I want to add there's we're so conditioned to talking about this, the title race being a city versus team B. Mm -hmm. It was, it was Liverpool for, for quite a while. Now it's Arsenal right now, but it's, it's, it's not right. This, this season, I just don't view the season as a two teams are going to break away from the pack. I, 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 I find, yeah, I, I think it's going to be impossible for, especially with the way I expect city to start, which is not too well. Um, and, and the way and, like you, and you mentioned Tottenham, right? Like a new, the new manager coming in, it, it'll take some time to adjust. Maybe they don't start rocking and rolling either, but by the time they're on song, like if they can rattle off a, a, a you know, if they can find their peak by boxing day, like they can, they'll, they should still be within sh- a shouting distance of, of making a run. Like we saw United kind of flirt with being in the, in the mix last season as well. So I think that that recipe works. I, I just think with, with the way that this is set up with it being yes, city of odds on deserving favorites, everything like that. Totally agree with that. But then the next seven teams, I shouldn't say that I should say like the next six teams. Cause Brighton, I still think like, like we love Brighton and they're really, really good. But the next yeah. six teams below city, I think are on a lot level playing field over a course of a 38 match season than these odds show. So Anthony Spurs that he hates. Yeah. I mean, Liverpool, the price isn't there for them, but they're going to be, I think they're the most fascinating team coming into the season by far because of what they've done. See, I don't see that. I actually, I think Chelsea is going to be continuing to take. So the thing about Chelsea is that they are replacing half of their minutes. Right. And half of their expected goals output, but they were, they were, they were bad. Mm-hmm. So like, is that good? Isn't that good to get rid of the bad and then right. try again but- with new players? And like Chris and Kunku, Nico Jackson, uh, you could sell me on that being a good group of attackers. Uh, Sterling, you know, bounce back season after he was down last year, actually having a manager, uh, you know, having a, a, a team that ran the le- least in the Prem last year. Now they're going to actually run like you could you could sell me on Chelsea. Uh, but the market seems to be still in love with them. I mean, over and over again, the second half of last season, we kept saying it. I said it a thousand times, like I lost most of my bets. Uh, you know, they can't stay this bad and look at how much respect they're getting in the market. And we're, we're you know, we're beating the close every time. And uh, it's not doing much for us because they're creating two XG and losing two one. But uh, the blues, you know, the, 
this is a team that still, I know a lot of the players have been cleared out. You know, they, you know, they've lost a lot of their minutes. Like I said, Koulibaly gone, Mendy gone, uh, Pulisic gone, Havertz gone. Like there's been a lot of clearing out, but ultimately I think it's almost good. And they don't have the Europe to deal with now, um, which should keep a pretty tight and small squad that could maybe figure things out under Pochettino. But uh, I just don't really know that they have that level to get to that I think you're going to need to be at. Like the teams who can get to a level of performance week in and week out to actually win this league. I feel like it's, you know, it's a Liverpool for sure. Arsenal for sure. I actually think Newcastle and Brighton have shown it more than United has. Um, Cause United never really got there last year. Brighton for all of its, you know, questions about who's going to be playing for them come, you know, the end of the month. Like they played at the second highest level in the league in the second half of last season. Newcastle has been a steady burn and with improvement. So it's very fascinating. Like I said, I have not bet a title future. Uh, if I had to bet anybody and you made me bet someone, I would Arsenal. probably, I would probably take Liverpool. Mm. That's your team. So makes sense. Yeah, they're my Reds. Uh, all right, let's go to top four. We can uh, carry this conversation into that market. Uh, just reading off some of the odds here. City is obviously prohibitive price at minus 2000 uh, Arsenal minus 200 Liverpool minus 188 United minus 138 Chelsea plus 125 Newcastle plus 150 Tottenham plus 333 Brighton plus 550 Villa 8 to 1 uh, then we get into some some longer shots with West Ham 25 to 1 Brentford's 40 to 1 uh, Palace Wolves Fulham Everton 50 Forest 100 Burnley 150 to 1 Bournemouth 150 to 1 Sheffield United, 250 to 1 and Luton Town. The Hatters. Uh 500 to 1. Uh before we dive into those, uh into any bets we have here, I, I should I should note that uh if you are listening to Wonder Goal for for the first time, uh, welcome. Um and throw us a download, subscribe review all that jazz uh maybe right now before we get into top four uh where we'll let bj kick things off um and if this is your first time listening to us over the past two years along with a lot of people who who bet a ton of soccer uh we fell in love with brighton we thought we were a little scared of the love we felt for brighton when graham potter left and then we fell even more in love with brighton Mm. when roberto de serbi came along and this is why i'm a little nervous about buying Brighton. I don't know how long he's going to last because oh, he'll be fine. It, let's, let's say that, you know, the Bayern sacks a manager, Juve sacks uh, Allegri, like the first, the first name that's going to pop up for the first big club that sacks manager is going to be deserving. That's scary. But, but here's the deal. And I know, and, and, I wanna... and this is, and this is what we said about Potter. We said, They've got a plan in place, and they do have a plan in place. I'm sure they have yeah. a plan in place. You, but you talked me down last year. Second time is scary. <laughs> you talked me down last year, Michael. I, I said know. it's the worst thing ever, and you said, "Don't worry, Brighton's a smart club. They'll find the perfect manager," and they did. So sometimes you just kind of got to believe too good in the to be club. True. They got better. They got better. They, got better. That, they did get better. A go lot ahead, better. Andy. Yeah. So why don't you go ahead, Anthony? Because I know this is one of your futures. Yeah. Look, I'm betting Brighton top four. Uh, plus 550, uh, the level that they established in the second half of last season for me, um, there, you expect natural regression from that number. 
Like, I don't think that they'll continue putting up 2.1 expected goals per match, which, by the way, was uh, tied with Man City for the best in the Premier League in the second mm-hmm. half of the season. Um, they do lose their best player in Alexis McAllister. Uh, and they're and incredible ball production numbers from him. But, I mean, like, they already have replacements. And CISO, mm-hmm. uh, they just keep finding these South Americans. And CISO comes in. He was getting 4.3 shots per 90 uh, showed some real, you know, quality finishing some bangers from outside the penalty area, but also just putting up some monster shot production. Cairo Matoma, one of the best dribblers and ball progressors in the league. Evan Ferguson is is the reason to say that Brighton can outrun any possible regression because he barely played. He only played 1090s last year and he had eight goals uh, and two assists, 0.51 XG per 90 at 18 years old. That's 14th best uh, in XG per 90 amongst players with at least 1090s. So in CISO, Ferguson, Matoma, and they may keep Caicedo. I mean, they haven't lost him yet. Uh, and I think eventually he'll get sold just because there's a lot of demand for his position but and for his role and his talent. But they're, they're going to get a lot of money. They can reinvest some of it uh, and save some of the rest for, uh, you know, profits. Um, so I, I think that there's like the, the, the teams that have given them trouble have been the teams that are able to, you know, force high turnovers and then turn that into immediate goals and attack. And Sean Dyche uh, is Everton. Everton did it. Um, Newcastle <laughs> did it. Uh, Man United even effectively did it in the in the one match that they played where they really stifled them. They couldn't score off of it, but they, they had a lot of chances. Uh, but these teams that want to play low and, like, sit deep, that used to be the Brighton kryptonite. Remember, they used to create all these chances but couldn't finish. But this is a different crop of players. It's a different manager. It's a much more aggressive system from Deserby than Potter ever played. And I think it makes them really good at beating up on the shit teams, like better than a Tottenham's going to be to begin the season, better than Chelsea, maybe better than United. And like I said, I just think that the market is downgrading them, just expecting this regression, banking it back to their transfer value and, and saying, well, this is still bright and we need to regress it back to what their priors are. And I agree with that, but only to a certain extent, um, because I, I just think at like a plus 550, they're going to be in the cement mixer with all those other teams. Uh, and with Ferguson, maybe taking a leap into like star uh, at 19 years old. That's the, that's the way where if he bags 20 goals this year, which I think is very possible, uh, they're going to be in the top five, I think pretty, pretty solidly in that mix. So plus five fifty, Brighton top four. And then I also like Newcastle, uh, but I, we'll, we'll let BJ talk a little bit and then we can come back to them. Yeah, I mean, so Newcastle, you know, the best price you can find them out them right now is one plus one sixty to finish in the top four. And you'll see an exercise I like to do when I'm looking at the futures market is number one, obviously go back and look at a lot of the underlying metrics from the past season. You know, what teams did well. Like Newcastle, I don't think a lot of people realize this, but Newcastle finished with the second best expected goal differential in the Premier League. They were a plus 0.85 XG differential per 90 minutes. That was better than Arsenal, better than Liverpool, better than Manchester United. So now you have to look and you say, okay, you know, Ned, you know, Newcastle isn't one of the big six clubs. So it's similar to Brighton. You're like, oh, they probably are going to have some natural regression, right? They're going to be playing the Champions League for the first time. I, I don't really see the, the natural regression coming from Newcastle because as everybody else, you know, the big six obviously spent money in the transfer market. Newcastle spent money and got better. 
Went out and got Sandro Tonali, who's one of the best young midfielders in the entire world. Press resistant, great, uh, great on the ball, good ball progression, can press with the best of them, which is really what Newcastle did. They showed it time and time again against the big boys that they can press them and they can beat them up. And throughout a full 90 minutes, they did it to Arsenal. They did it to Brighton. They did it to Manchester United. The only team they really kind of struggled with was, was City. And, you know, it's, it, is, it is what it is. But Newcastle does this thing that makes them so, so difficult to play against where because they can beat you up with their man-to-man pressing going forward, that they almost force you to play the ball long. Well, if you're going to play the ball long, then that's going to create a transitional type match. And there's no better team playing in transition in the Premier League than Newcastle was last season. And then you look at also what they did is they went out and got Harvey Barnes, who is, I believe, an upgrade to Alan St. Maximum, who's obviously off to the Saudi League. Alan St. Maximum, while he's a great dribbler and he's a great ball progressor, Harvey Barnes actually adds goal production for Newcastle. If you look at his numbers, he was one of the best in terms of non-penalty expected goals for wingers in the Premier League last season for Leicester. So you add him alongside Alexander Ishak, who like he's a top five striker in the Premier League. Like he is so, so good. He's got every finish in his locker. He can play well in the air. He can play well on the ground. You know, it, it was clear, you know, Callum Wilson had a great season last season. Like he was a 0.84 XG per 90 minute striker. That was, I believe, second to Holland in terms of XG per 90. Yep. But he also, you know, he's getting older and his minutes went down as when he shot came in. So now you have to these two fantastic strikers. You add Harvey Barnes, who is obviously a very talented player out on the left wing. Like the natural regression here from Newcastle, I don't really see it. I think that they retooled perfectly. They got better. And the market is telling you that, oh, well, they're going to regress. You know, Liverpool's better than them. United's better than them. Arsenal's better than them. While, you know, Arsenal may be better than them, I don't really see Newcastle being uh, like like the fifth or sixth best team in the Premier League. I think they're very much in the conversation of being the third or fourth team. I think they're better than United for sure. So at plus 160, I, I love the price on them to finish inside, you know, the top four. I've also played them at minus 120 to finish higher than Chelsea because they basically have the exact same point total as them, which I think is absolutely an insane number, but they have the money. So we're not done with the transfer window yet. We could, they could still bring in, you know, another high price target uh, before the season starts. So I, I think the price on Newcastle is good enough at plus plus one sixty to finish inside the top four. They're just as every bit as good as United and Liverpool. They feel, they feel safer, which sounds right. weird to say then, right. Like then United, Chelsea, Liverpool, um, or Spurs in in that market, like you can kind of, I feel like of all of the teams in in this eight team cohort, you can I feel like you can feel the most confident projecting Newcastle's path in this season uh, compared to basically anybody else. Now, like their their kind of margins might be their ceilings, of course, lower than cities, and their floor might be uh, like lower as well, of course. But I feel like the gap between the ceiling and floor is is a lot narrower than than some of these other teams. One thing I will say about that bet is they have a really rough start to the season. Mm-hmm. Uh, Newcastle, I think it's uh, Villa, then Villa City, Liverpool, Brighton out of the gates, uh, which is 
which I'll say this, Michael, because of their, you know, Champions League schedule in the middle of September, that's almost, I think, a good thing for them to yeah. really put everything into those first couple of matches against big competition. And then, you know, obviously rotating. It's harder to rotate against teams like Arsenal and City when you're middle playing Champions League. Obviously, it's their first time doing that. So it's going to be new for them. And they need depth to be able to get through this type of gauntlet and playing that many matches. So that's the worry with them, I think. It's just the, the sheer amount of matches and the lack of depth comparatively that they have to a team like a Liverpool, Arsenal, and City. So, um, and, and they can always just buy all the players. And, they, that and that's for, the point. For, for yeah, they Saudi have, Arabia at some point. Right. You know, if, if they're I really mean, in the title race, like, don't be surprised if all of a sudden Cristiano Ronaldo's. Yeah. Is <laughs> yeah. <laughs> don't be surprised in January yeah. if they just drop yeah. 120 million on a bunch of players. Like, that's yeah. also what you have in your pocket. Al Halal comes like, back you over. Have, you have money in your pocket. Uh, like, are we contending for the title? All right, let's just go spend. Yeah. And, but uh, my, my point was that you, you might as well, you might be able just to wait uh, a little bit on Newcastle. Mm-hmm. Um, their numbers might tick down, both in if you're looking to bet a future and to win the title or top four uh, with the way they start. Um, <laughs> I agree. I think there are some areas where you can say, well, that's probably not going to happen again. Um, so the thing is the whole defense was healthy all of last year. Mm-hmm. Nobody ever got hurt. Uh, so they were able to start their best defenders every match. But that that could possibly be a, a red flag for them if they're not able to do that again. Uh, I'm not as high on Tonali. I do like Barnes. I think Barnes is a good uh, replacement for St. Maximin and you know Almarone kind of you know not really getting those minutes. What I really like about Newcastle though, Wilson, you know when he's on the pitch has always been great, but he's always hurt. Isak is great cover for him, but they can also play them together, which is what I thought was the biggest difference last year. Because the reason we love Isak so much is that not just because he scores goals, but because he's so good in a facilitator role with the ball at his feet, creating for others, that he can play off the left, play off Wilson. And the two of them together uh, was really wrecking teams, especially in transition last year. You talked about it. The other thing for Newcastle, their numbers you know, are kind of, uh, and this is something the double pivot guys talked about, It's they, they played as like a team who you know, got to take advantage of the fact that there was always space in behind. They got to always be in those transitionary moments because teams didn't treat them like a big side. We're going to sit really deep. And you did kind of see a struggle with that uh, in, the, in the middle part of the season when they were drawing with lower table teams a lot, uh, you know, right after World Cup break. But once they get ahead, man, it's so tough to play them. They are so physical. They're number one in high turnovers force last year. Number one in aerial dual percentage one by over two and a half percent to the next best team. They are mean, they are physical, they, they get in your face, uh, and they uh, aren't afraid to, to press and, and bully you. So it's a, it's a tough matchup for anybody. Uh, and Tonali is good depth. I think, if anything, like he, I don't know that he starts every week or is a huge, great player for them, but like they're going to need more bodies in here. So I want to see one or two more moves, even if they're just like small consolidation type moves. But yeah, I don't really see this Newcastle step back. I think, if anything, it's kind of just a repeat of last year, but if they just do what they did last year, that's going to put them right there with those other teams. So yeah, plus 160 Newcastle top four. I like Newcastle. I like Brighton. We're kind of buying high on Newcastle a little bit, but again, like this market love for United United's a really tough team to kind of figure out uh, because it kind of depends on your opinion of Rasmus Holland, but it's certainly interesting. Uh, let's talk top six. Uh, now, uh, BJ, you're 
only bet here is a team we've we've spent plenty of time talking about. So yeah, I'll just, just lay it I'll on just, us. Yeah, I'll just quickly add a few things. Brighton, you know, best price you can find is plus one seventy to finish inside the top six. You know, again, if you're looking comparatively throughout the rest of it, you know, Brighton finished with the fourth best expected goal differential in the Premier League last season, and they were, you know, miles better under Deserby. So to get a price like that on a team that was, you know, the, the, essentially the fourth best team in the Premier League by underlying metrics, and Anthony the nail on the head is like. The thing about it is, Michael, is that, you know, Brighton's obviously incredible with their recruitment and their, you know, their transfer market activity and everything. What happened towards the end of last season, and this is why I think maybe a loss of Caicedo isn't catastrophic for them. It's obviously a huge loss. There's no doubt about that. But Billy Gilmore was so good in the number six role for them that basically Deserby just left him there. He was just like, I can't take him off the field. He's playing too well. So Caicedo had to play right back. Because, you know, they, they want, he wanted both of them on the pitch at the same time. Now, you know, it. who knows if Caicedo stays. Like, Brighton's, you know, he signed a new contract with them last year. So, Brighton has no incentive to move him. Like, he's not like Kane, who's on, like, you know, essentially going to be out of a contract next year. They can wait and force one of these teams to pay $100 million for them. And I think Chelsea might end up doing it if after a couple of bad results to begin the season, because that's how they operate. Uh, but... I mean, I mean, all the underlying metrics for Brighton told you that they were a top four team. I mean, they finished fourth in expected goals, like Anthony mentioned, two point one expected goals per ninety un, under Deservey. Like those are insane numbers. And you know, there is a there is a possibility where teams kind of just figure out Brighton, right? Like they figure out, like, hey, they're trying to bait us into pressing, and then, but we saw that last season where teams just sat off them. And Brighton for, for you know for a couple matches there, you know, specifically one against I remember one against United where, you know, they had a kind of a tough time figuring that out. But as you saw the season go along, I mean, they just were obliterating low blocks again and again and again. And they had, like Anthony mentioned, they have all the attacking talent to be able to do it again this season. So um, I'm really excited by Brighton again. I think at a price of plus 170 for what was the fourth best team in the Premier League by underlying metrics uh, is too good of a price to pass up. So Brighton top six and plus 170 for me. It should be said, Brighton closed a favorite in the FA Cup semifinal they did. against Man United on a neutral field they in did. April, late April, April 22nd. So think about that in the context of now where the prices are on Man United and Brighton. Do you really, like, of course you have to price in that United can go spend more money than Brighton probably can in the next month. But I kind of think United is done. They got their business mm-hmm. done early. Uh, and look, they've done some good stuff. We, we should probably mention United because we haven't mentioned them in any bets whatsoever yet. I like Mason Mount. I like Sophie and Amrabat. I'm a fan of Holland in the long run. Uh, the, you know, Sancho bounce back here. Like there's all kinds of reasons to be bullish on United, but they are starting from such a lower floor relative to last season that I just really don't know how much better they are. And that's the, like, uh, even if they're that much better, they, they weren't truly a top four team last year by any metric, what you looked at. I mean, this is a team that, uh, you know, got a career year from, from Rashford and still had the fourth longest average shot distance in the league, uh, still conceded the seventh most expected goals. It was like an eighth best team by expected threat. Uh, they didn't have a striker for most of the year. So that definitely hurts their numbers. They, their, their Casemiro on off splits were pretty big and he's, he's North of 30. Uh, so like there's reasons to say, well, Maybe United isn't as good as we thought. And and last year, they certainly overperformed their metrics. Onana wasn't a great shot stopper. 
United uh, last season, teams were really bad at shooting against them. And and De Gea won the Golden Glove. And De Gea somehow won the Golden Glove because they either conceded zero or seven in like every game. <laughs> um, but like they just weren't that great defensively last year. And I think that they would need to really get a lot out of Holland um, to make that leap. And I don't know that he's at that level yet. Like, I want to see something like he had a great year at Atalanta, but it's still only nine goals in 20 matches. The sample is small and projecting him into the Prem at this age, huge move. It, it is a big step for him. I think the, the one uh, way, like I would bet you a United title future. If, if you want to, if you're a United fan and you want to bet a title future at, at bet three, six, five, they have PFA player of the year. Just bet Casemiro. Cause if, if Casemiro is healthy the whole season and he, and is as good as he was for them when he was healthy, like, and they win the title or I should say if United wins the title, it'll probably correlate with Casemiro being very healthy, playing in and out game in and a game out and, and being really good. He's, he's that, he was that important for them. I would think. Um, yeah, I just don't have any bets on them. Like, I think that they're priced yeah, close to their ceiling. Like, I, they're, I really they're a team what that is I their will, ceiling? I will... Can they do better than third, really, realistically? Yeah, I have no interest in them in, in a season-long way, but I would bet – I think that they're uh, going to be a good underdog against these these other teams in this mix is how I would play yeah, them. I, I think th- that they're also I, the team I, I really, that I would like I to take with on with, with teams like Palace and Brentford, et cetera. Like, that's, that's United yeah. to me. And United out of possession versus United in possession was a big difference last year. Uh, The most interesting thing is is Holland and then Onana, just like how much better are they in build-up because they have a goalie who can use his feet. That will be interesting. But like I said, uh, uh, Amrabat, I guess Amrabat, Casemiro, Bruno, they don't even need a ton of shots. We obviously love Amrabat for the the Morocco stuff, yeah. They don't even need, and and Fiorentina, even though in a heartbreak. Uh, What I guess the question is, if United hits their ceiling, they're probably third. I would imagine next year would be the year that you could actually make a, a case for the title charge because Anthony gets another year. He actually, I think I was a little too harsh on him last year, 0.47 XG plus XA first season at 22 in the prem, like pretty good. Uh, a lot of bad shots, but also did get better shots as the year went on. And then Sancho, uh, they get a lot of shots from midfield. So they don't need like a shot monster. They just need a guy who can get some shots in the, good areas of the penalty area. They weren't getting anything last year from, from Veghorst or Martial and it's not Rashford's national natural position. So yeah, I, I'm not really sure what to make a United. I'm probably not uh, fading them in a sense. Like I, you know, like BJ does every week, but I also just like, don't want to lay juice on them top four. Cause I think that the gap is so small. Yeah. I mean, along that point, I mean, Rashford scored 17 goals last season Martial, Sancho, and Anthony combined for just 16 goals. So that I mean, this is something we've been talking about for quite a while. Is that, and something Anthony's brought up many times, is that United was too reliant on Marcus Rashford to be their entire offensive production. So they really need someone like Mason Mount or even Hoyland to be a goal scoring threat and not just have everything rely on Rashford to be that. Now, Anthony brought up the point about Onana. It does make it very, very interesting for United um, with it actually having to be able to build out of the back. The question mark is, do you really think United with their current offensive pieces that they have, are they going to be elite in build-up play and start breaking down low blocks the way that a team like Arsenal 
or a team like Liverpool or a team like City would be able to? Probably not. So they would need to be elite, elite defensively to be able to make up for that fact that they aren't elite at being able to break down those little blocks like those other three teams are. And I'm not sure they're really there yet from what we've seen last season. So I agree with Anthony. Like, I'm not going to be... I don't like United. I still don't, but I'm not going to be just railing on them week after week after week, because I think the moves they made this summer addressed all of the problems that they had last season. Like yeah, they no more a, McTominay. Right. Like they needed a goalkeeper that could play this so they could actually build out of the back, similar to what Ten Hog did at Ajax for so many years. So who better to get than your goalkeeper at Ajax than Onana? And they obviously went out. Mason Mount is a great signing. Like it, it gives them Goodbye, more. Love. It is a great buy low on him. Yeah. And it gives, you know, allows them to play double number tens along outside Fernandes. You know, Hoyland's a great signing. I, again, I agree with Anthony. Small sample size, obviously a huge number of potential. But if you're bringing in a 20 year old kid like that to basically be your savior and be your number one striker, like that's a little premature. So maybe a few years down the road, United will be there on the level of the cities, the Arsenals and Liverpools. But I, I agree with Anthony. I think their, their peak is, is essentially top three. And they're also playing in the Champions League. In a again, deep Champions so. League run. I was going to yeah. say, I bet you we're all, we're all <laughs> going to be thinking about betting them to win the Champions League. Um, all right, let's uh, go from the top to the bottom. We spent enough time talking about the good teams, so let's do it. Do we do we do do we do like two minutes on the middle? Are we going to let's go right to the bottom first? There's one middle. Uh, team. Yeah, there's. I mean, you can't bet <laughs> you can't bet a team to finish ninth, Anthony. Unfortunately, this is an actionable podcast. Um, to we'll, we'll, let's so let's talk about. Uh, the relegation market, an actual real market. Um, Luton, what a fun, what a fun market this is. It is this, really fun. this thing is tight. Um, Luton is <laughs> <That's> crazy. <laughs> is uh, the runaway favorite at, at minus three hundred. Uh, then Sheffield United, welcome back, minus one sixty three. Those are the only two odds on teams. And then Bournemouth plus two hundred, Burnley plus two seventy five, Forest plus two fifty, Everton plus three hundred, Wolves three to one as well. Fulham plus three fifty, Palace plus six fifty, Brentford eight to one, West Ham twelve to one, uh, Villa forty, Brighton fifty. Everybody else triple digits. City's five hundred, only five hundred to one to be relegated. They should be about what? But Michael, one point, one point, Michael, Michael, yeah. What if all the sanctions come down? Right, deducted. uh, That's what you're betting on. Sixty-five points. Yeah. 1.2 1.2 million to one. That's what I would make. So if you bet relegated. auto, if you just bet relegation and they automatically get relegated because of some dumb, like it should, you should win that. Bet. That, that would, you ca- should that win. Ca- the I market would, is suggesting that would be a cash. You might have to ask the great people at, uh, you know, bet three, six, five, if that is, yeah. yeah, what are the rules on like uh, FFP <laughs> auto <laughs> yeah. relegation? Cause I, I may, I may just throw a dollar on that just in case it happens. <laughs> just in case. I don't uh, think it's uh, let's, uh, let's focus on these teams here though. Um, uh, I want to start with uh, the newcomers, specifically Luton and Sheffield United, since since mm-hmm. they're uh, odds on to go down. We saw last year uh, that the the newly promoted sides, I mean, God bless them, they all stayed up. Yep. Uh, and so, like, you're when you're betting this market, you have to know that there's always going to be uh, a tax on the newly promoted side. You're, they're always the, the prices are always going to be a little bit higher. I think that the market is as down on on Luton Town as I've I've seen on a on a team coming up from the championship in since I've been betting on soccer. I, I can't yep. honestly can't think of one. And a lot and I think a lot of that has to do with the fact that it's always the same teams coming back and forth like Norwich City, etc. 
Um, so that's one thing to keep in mind. But I kind of like it was it is at the top. Like this is another kind of derby style race where there's so many teams that That'd you can see going down that I don't think it makes any sense to lay this kind of price. Like this is not like a CD situation where you can just feel very good about betting Luton because they're uh, compared to other teams in the Premier League shoestring budget. They play in the backyard of uh, you know some gardens in 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 England and whatever. It's just not that straightforward because of the environment that they're going to be playing in, which is quite frankly, that half the league could be relegated half of it. Yeah. And, right. and we yeah. would be like, that makes a lot of sense. How did we not see it coming that, you know, palace was going to go down. Roy Hodgson is back. Like, you know, like this, there are, there are so many paths for this to happen. And and of course we already know Everton are going down. Like we, we rele- oh, we're, we're going to relegate that right away, right away relegate from, Everton from, from, from match day one. Um, They're going to win their first match. I'm BJ and I are on on same team in a different way. I'm going to, so I'll flip it to you, Anthony, to start. How are you going to weave your way in in this market? Look, uh, it's really hard because uh, there have been worse teams. It's a lot harder to to pick 2019th and 18th than it would be to pick first, second, and third, like at a tri cast this year. I've, I've, I've got no idea. Yeah, like you mentioned about the tax, like the tax is real. And we had, I mean, let's flash backwards to last season. It, it was kind of similar from an odds perspective. I mean, Fulham didn't have the same kind of market respect that Burnley is getting here. And I think Burnley is almost getting a little too much market respect uh, as top promoted team at minus 250, um, which is, I think is crazy uh, because Burnley and Sheffield had very similar underlying numbers last year. Uh, how they got to those numbers is very different. We could, we could talk about that more later, but Luton... Uh, plus 0.3 XG difference per 90 in the championship. That's uh, better or pretty comparable to what uh, Nottingham Forest did. Uh, in fact, very comparable. Now, they did not spend and go out and buy an entire team worth of players. Uh, but I think that gives you a decent baseline of like what this team might look like this year. Just like from an XG difference per 90 perspective, there's going to be some really ugly losses. But I'm certainly not laying minus 310 in a market, minus 300 in a market where... Uh, they are this big uh, of a, like there's this many teams in the mix. So I think I want to go up the I table. Think tradition, because I like, think, tradition, like it would almost make sense if this was the number in a more, I want to say traditional Premier League season, but like kind of the ones we've seen the past six or seven years where you're like, all right, we're picking from five five potential teams that are going down. There's legitimately 10 here. There's That's, that's the reason we're saying that this Luton number is outrageous, I think. Okay, I think that it's it's outrageous to be hanging a team at, at this high a number before mm-hmm. a ball has been kicked in a race with mm-hmm. 10 teams in it. Yeah, and the reason that the Premier League race is so interesting is because that the teams in the early teens have not done shit yeah. uh, to get better. And remember, you know, I, I think the last team that had this low of expectations coming into the season was probably Huddersfield Town. And they had a negative goal difference in the championship. The XG wasn't all that much better. They snuck up on like a miracle to get up. And the first season in the Prem, they couldn't create anything, but their defense held on enough uh, to the point where they had a minus 0.45 XG difference per 90. Uh, They finished 16th. Uh, They stayed up by four points. And then the next season, uh, it hit them. And they finished with 16 points and a minus 0.85 XG difference. So... For like one season, I think Luton has a chance. Sheffield 
um, is one of the most interesting profiles I've ever seen. They had the 10th most possession in the league last year, uh, yet had more attacking penalty area touches, entries, crosses, and carries than like any team in the league besides maybe Burnley in a couple of the categories. So they never have the ball, but they're very good. They're the most efficient transition team shit ever. Uh, I don't think that's even, I don't even know how that's possible. Like I had to double check the numbers on Sheffield when I, when I went, looked into it, but how they got to where Burnley was, was, was pretty comparable. So, uh, you know, Sheffield then sells and die to Marseille, who was their leading goal scorer, 25 goals and assists last year. They bring in uh, a guy, uh, another Adama Traore, uh, has a first name, um, but his middle name is Adama. So former former, former Sheriff, uh, FC Sheriff striker. Yes. yes, the legend who had 12 goals at uh, in Sweden last year in 14 games. So that's moderately intriguing. Uh, but yeah, yeah. Uh, and and they got uh, the psychopath, Ali McBurney. Yeah, he's yeah, their he's best back, He's left. back in the Prem. So, <laughs> yeah. uh, like... I'm not betting against either of these teams. Just like the market's gone crazy on them. Now let's kind of go up the table. Bournemouth, they're like one of the few in this group that I think the arrow is pointed upward. Yeah. Like yeah. we like the new manager. We like the signings. We like the fact that they're investing. New owners uh, showed real life in the second half. I think they have more attacking upside than most of the teams in this group. Uh, Forest is like the biggest black box of all these teams for me because I'm kind of confused on what to expect. But the, the like I said, the reason that I'm intrigued is that I think Fulham, Wolves, Everton, and Palace have done nothing, and it's really concerning. Excuse me, Dan Juma. What about Ash- Ashley Young, dude? <laughs> yeah. Has Ashley Young ever been relegated? I don't think so. I don't think so. Um, yeah, but that that's what I'm saying. It, it, it's, it sounds crazy to say, but basically every team in this race outside of Luton who should be the favorite should just be minus 110. Like, it should just be minus 110, minus 110, <laughs> minus 110, minus 110, minus 110. I just don't see... I don't see... Each individual team is minus yeah. 110 to be relegated. I just don't see... Um, <sighs> I don't see, uh, like, a, a difference. If, if one thing goes wrong for Crystal Palace, they're doomed. If one thing goes wrong for Everton, they're doomed. If, you know, if... It's, you can say the same thing about Wolves. It's it's Fulham is the team that you know BJ and I kind of had landed on here, and I I like Fulham to finish last at twenty to one, because it's not just one thing that could go wrong for this team. I, I could see a lot going wrong yes. for them. Yes. Mitrovic is already <sighs> in Saudi Arabia. That's like he's he, he's out right. Like he's he said even if if he, that if that transfer falls through, he still wants to leave. Marco Silva, we've seen this act from him before, where he gets his head turned by a team. I mean, it happened f- from Watford to Everton, right? Like it, he he doesn't really last long at clubs. He's pretty easy to 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 turn his head. They were terrible defensively last year. There's very little depth to the squad. I would say, like, is it Paul? How I don't know how long their midfielders are going to be out for to start the season. Yeah, and this this team, I think this team the the this team the bottom could just fall out of it. So that's why I think that rather than just playing the plus three fifty, I would go for twenty to one to finish last. Because uh, if if things go south, I could see Silva just abandoning ship. Don't know where the goals are going to come from if it's if not Mitrovic. The defense, if if Mitrovic goes, the defense has to improve to make up for that goal scoring walking out the door. I don't think it will. Didn't they sign Raúl Jiménez? 
Yeah, and Raul Jimenez. <laughs> so there you go. There's he of he of he of uh, uh, a golden boot future. Twenty eighteen. Raul Jimenez is now walking through that yeah, door. Like, I mean, I I think you could. I mean, you literally could make the argument that Alexander Mitrovic is the most important player in the Premier League last season to his individual team on uh, what outside of outside of Yerry Mina. True. We need, I mean, we, need to make a, every... we need to make a list of an official <laughs> list at some point this season. Like who are the actual most important players yeah. in, the, in the league? Because um, we've said it about like 15 different people. Yeah. <laughs> but like truly Casemiro like he... is on the list. <laughs> like I, I went through it, you know, obviously Mitrovic got, he got hurt for a few matches. Then he got suspended for what was it? Eight or nine matches to towards the end of the season. We're pushing the ref. So he missed 14 matches last season, but the matches that he did play in, he created 15 of Fulham's 35 expected goals. Like that is an insanely high number for just one player to be able to create because Fulham's style of play is absolutely centric around what Mitrovic does best, which he is one of the best aerial ball winner strikers in the Premier League. And so, you know, Fulham obviously completed the second most crosses of anybody in the Premier League. So now you're just going to be sending in crosses to, I mean, I don't know how old Raul Menes is now. Carlos Vinicius has not been great in his limited sample size as well. So now... You're either going to have to change your entire style of play, or, or sign about Veghorst, or sign Veghorst, or do something, and it just it's it's not going to happen. I mean, they when Mitrovic wasn't on the pitch, they only averaged 0.88 expected goals per match. Like that would have been the worst mark in the Premier League by a mile last season. Well, actually, pretty close to what Wolves is, and we'll get to them in a second. But and then you couple that with the fact that what was the best part of Fulham's defense last season that was honestly horrible. It was the fact that Tim Ream just had like this unbelievable season and was just holding them up like by, by a thread for the majority of the season. And then he broke his arm towards the end of the season. And obviously, you know, they had already been safe from relegation. So, I mean, Fulham, you know, you, there's obviously different, you know, expected goals miles they can use, but Understat had them conceding 71 expected goals last season. That was like miles the worst in the Premier League. So they went out and got Calvin Bassey from Ajax, who, I mean, he's good. He's a good ball progressor, but like, is he going to be the like savior to this defense? Like, no, he's not. So I, I agree with you, Michael. I think that there's a real potential for some extreme bottoming out here from Fulham. There are so many things that can go wrong for this team. They're going to lose their opening their opening match too to Everton. I hope you know that. Oh um, yeah, I'm ready for that one. Yeah. Uh, so the, the, the Fulham also with Paulinho, like he was awesome. He was. Yeah. But he can't and, be everything to them. Like and how long is he out? Can't hold and he's them out up. now. Yeah. Yeah, yeah he's and he's out. out. So like like you're gonna play your first four or five matches. I think it's probably going to the international break without him and Mitrovic. Like, yeah, it's, like it's, it's, it's bad. It's not. And, and, it's, and it's not, it's not like Leno is going to keep saving, you know, at the rate that he was last season. I know he overperformed a great deal uh, because Fulham obviously overperformed both offensively and defensively, but like there, <laughs> there's some real warning signs with this team. They obviously re-signed William, which like he's 34 now. He's not going to, I don't think he's going to have the same offensive production that he had last season. Like what, what went wrong for them last year? I mean, nothing really went wrong. Like everything went right nothing, for them. Yeah. They finished 10th. Like they, and they finished had, 10th. Yeah. And they had the fourth worst expected goal differential. Like that, like that's, it's crazy over performance to By get the way, to that level of 10th. Like it's crazy. It also gets worse. Uh, red card luck. No yep. team had more red cards against them than Fulham. So they played an extra, uh, two matches up a man, which they were, you know, plus three and a half XG in those two matches. Penalties, no team, uh, only one team had more penalties awarded, and only uh, and no team gave away more penalties than Fulham. 
uh, last year, which is pretty crazy. So there's all kinds of shit with Fulham, but they were bottom five in rolling XG difference the last two thirds of the year when Spitrovic was faced that suspension. It only got worse. Uh, but like, there's other teams that also have kind of huge holes here that I'm also betting. Like Wolves mm-hmm. five to one is still out there to be relegated. How are they scoring? I don't know. I don't know either. Moutinho is gone. He was kind of old, but he was still producing for them. Moutinho, Neves is gone. Moutinho has led Moutinho's them in third, goals. Third yeah. most passes. <laughs> Neves is crazy. He led them in pass into the penalty area, carries into the penalty area, uh, shots and goals. And he's gone. Mm-hmm. Their replacement, uh, they lose Collins, who was top five uh, in passes in the final third as well uh, as a defender, young guy. They lose uh, Adama Traore, which like sounds like a joke that we're saying this, but like he had the most crosses into the penalty area last year of any player on Wolves. Uh, and the replacement is uh, Matthias Kuna, two goals in 10.790s, uh, two XG. Not good. Daniel Pudence was their leading non-penalty goal scorer with six and goals. They, and they want to sell him right now too. And they're, and they are not buying. I, I have heard they're nobody who they're buying. Who are they they're buying? They're not buying. Where's they're, the money? they're in financial trouble. And they were, they were one of the four awful attacks last year. And it, it, it it's going to be worse. It is 100% worse. They had an awful shot quality last year and Nevis hit a couple bangers. They had some timely moments. He's gone. There's nothing. Palace. They lost. Wolf Zaha, who's the most important player in the Premier League to their team. They might lose Michael Olise. Michael Olise uh, led Palace in uh, penalty area passes, crosses. Him, Olise, Zaha, and Olise and Eze were the whole team going forward. They lose them all. They have a high defensive floor because their defenders are very good, but they, they couldn't score for large parts last year. It cost Vieira his job. Do we really think that Roy Hodgson is going to solve any of their problems? So, these teams like Palace and like Wolves, who maybe not didn't have relegation numbers last year, certainly could this year. Like there's a lot of risk for those guys, those teams. And and we didn't even mention uh your boy Moyes. Yeah. Yeah. So like still still I, I, they are still the only team who has not purchased one player in this transfer market. They're bizarre. Like it's it's I almost feel like he's doing it on purpose because this is what David Moyes likes to do. It's just he's you know, make, he's make, having a he, he's in a he's basically in a fight with their uh, yeah their director like they're just they're just butting heads back and forth. But I I remember when when he had one of his best seasons at Everton, which was like you know two thousand six when they were they basically didn't bring anybody in. They played the same eleven guys over and over and over again, and they they were extremely healthy obviously to do that. But I feel like Moyes likes to almost just stack the the chips against himself um it makes him feel alive uh but that th- this is this is why you know what, what you're talking about with the the league being basically two blobs is spot on these all these teams are it would drive it drives me up a wall being an everton fan watching what what you know the, the inactivity in the summer and, and obviously the the financial constraints are are playing into it but it's it's like there it's so easy it, it'd be so easy for if if things were just in a vacuum just be like all you need to do is all everton needs to do is sign a striker and 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 one more center back and i think they'd be safe yeah i do too and, and it's okay now yeah and they're but like, the same, like i could pick, everton's got a good midfield they're fine yeah they 
They just good, 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 but apparently they all these other teams, Michael. Yeah, good midfield, have good manager. Good, no, they don't have a good midfield. I think they 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 do have a good midfield. They and they've, and they've got a great goalkeeper and they've yeah. got a good manager and and um and they have a good plan. Like they have a plan. A lot of these other teams don't have but a. Th- that's really what I'm saying. If 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 Wolves was just like, all right, let's just go get Vout Veghorst or something. Like you know, like that wouldn't help. But you know that prototype <laughs> is what I'm saying. Just like go get a poacher. And and it's one thing, and 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 that should just be the difference between you and this pack of eight teams. And all of a sudden, you're safely in fourteenth. There, these teams are all bizarre to me. I I don't know if I've seen a relegation run like Never. this because you know we 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 don't. This is nobody's talking about Burnley being in trouble. Everyone's just assuming that Vince Vincent Company's a. I Burnley's you know, so Burnley's so interesting to me because like a great comparison of what Burnley is right now. And like, if you go back, you know, like, and you read all the tactical stuff that Burnley did in the championship, like people called basically called them like the best team that the championship has ever seen, like how beautiful it was. Like, but we just saw that two years ago, like Fulham put up Fulham did the same thing. Numbers yeah, they had the same, the same exact they were conversation. a high possession dominant team that could just build out of the back and play through and just destroy teams. And Mitrovic scored 43 goals in the championship that season. Like it was insane. But then what happened? Fulham came to the premier league. They couldn't control possession. So what do they do? They have to play insanely direct. They overperformed like crazy to finish 10th. And now we're talking about them for relegation. So now Burnley comes in. This is not the Burnley that you've seen the, the Sean no. If you're somebody who's like, oh yeah, I saw Burnley a couple years ago in the Premier League. They're going to be that low block center team that just, you know, only scores off of corners. Like that is not at all what they are. I mean, Vincent Company has taken a lot of principles of what Pep Guardiola has done at Manchester City and applied them to his Burnley team. But now you're coming up in the Premier League and you're not going to be able to hold be able to hold 65% possession like they did in the championship. Oh, and they also overperformed their XG by 20 goals offensively. So now you're going to come into this type of situation where now I don't think they're getting relegated, but the love, but again, they're in this pack where like Burnley is a team that I'm looking at. I'm saying like, oh, there's some things that can truly go wrong for them. Like if they don't switch their style of play and they're not able to build out of the back and they're not able to play through these pressing giants that they're going to see throughout the Premier League in a week in, week out basis. You know, talent-wise, they have brought in some some you know some good guys. And I think that they should be, you know, in that middle tier. Like they probably should finish like 13th or 14th. But I mean, they're not worse than Fulham. They're not worse than Wolves. And that's kind of the conversation that we keep coming back to is that there's this slog of 10 teams that honestly could get relegated. And one we've kind of talked about, I mean, West Ham to not buy anybody after getting all the Declan Rice money. And what people don't realize also is that Thomas Soyshek has been absolutely shit for going on about two seasons now. He had a great season a couple of years ago, right before the Euros. He scored like 10 goals. You know, he was getting forward a ton. And Declan Rice made up for a lot of how bad he was in the middle of the field. And now they don't really have a replacement for that. Now their midfield is going to suck. Defensively, they have brought in some guys and they like, obviously West Ham like underperformed last season, but to lose your best player, somebody who is literally everything to you in terms of your ball progression to winning the ball in the middle of the pitch, and then just having strikers who couldn't score. Like that's going to be a massive drop off for West Ham if they don't go out and get somebody. I saw they've been in the market for James Ward Prowse. Looks like that's not going to happen anymore. Uh, I I don't see it with West Ham. Like I know you, uh, Anthony and Michael. I think you're both on them at twelve to one to to be relegated. I don't think that's a a bad price. Like they're getting overvalued way too much in this market of ten teams when they're really not that much better than a lot of these teams in this slog. Yeah, I mean, look, 
West Ham, this is so this is we talked about this. There are so many teams in this little tier that lost their best player or their second best player or both and made no attempt thus far. Thus far, it is only we're recording this August 2nd. The transfer window is open for 29 more days, and West Ham does have a lot of money to spend. So things can change. But they need to buy a striker and they need to buy another midfielder or two because you're right about Socek. Socek works well with Rice because Rice gets on the ball so much. Socek can do some ball winning, some pressing, win some headers, doesn't ever have to pass because he can't really do it. Rice had 233 passes in the final third last year. The next most player on West Ham was 98. He had the most tackles, the most interceptions. He's Ruben Neves to Wolves, but even more important, and they are not replacing him. Paqueta is okay, but he's not going to create many shots. Mikel Antonio is well past his prime now. Yeah, who's who's going to score Skamaka, for this team too? Skamaka like, might leave. Yeah, so it's going to be Jared Bowen. He's, he's going. He's going inter. He's gone. Yeah, so, Jared, Jared and, Bowen. And not, not that Jared I think Skamaka is good like anyway. There's, yeah, 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 there's there's just not. So much who's there. scoring goals? Who's passing it to them to score the goals? They were one of the least uh, efficient teams uh, in the league last year, and they, you know, like we said, they had the seventh fewest carries and passes in the final third last year. They had the third and lowest possession rate. They had an old team. They were the oldest team in the league. Them and Fulham, by the way, oldest average age in the Premier League last year. They have made no signings. They're in Europe because they won the Conference League. So they're, <laughs> they're in the Europa, Europa League. League. <laughs> so what? Like what is going? What is, what is going on? Do these teams like? Uh, like I said, there's still 29 more days. But like West Ham, Fulham, Palace, Wolves are just having the most bizarre summers I've ever seen for a league that has so much money. Like all these other leagues, there's Everton too. Like you, broke. You could throw Everton in there, I think. Yeah, I think the conversation. I think Wolves. I think they've spent all their money. Like if you think of about the signings they've brought in, I mean, they spent upwards of two hundred million dollars to assemble this squad, and now you're it getting stinks. no production from Cunha. You're getting, you know, Matthias Nunes. They spent fifty million on him. Yeah, Nunes was Daniel Collins. I mean, they got the money back. They got for him, but like, <laughs> you know, if you look at Semedo and all these guys, like they spent big money to bring these guys over to wolves and now they've gotten no production they, and, now, two, and then they they do have a season really, behind whatever did they basically did whatever didn't did four years yeah, ago when like they did the exactly. sigurdsson etc stuff yeah more, and i think and i think what's happened is like their owners they they're i believe they're owned by uh uh a chinese businessman who is incredibly rich but i think he's just tired of spending money and not seeing any results for it so well, now he just does what uh jorge mendes says to right to do. and, yeah. and, so and Peggy, the by the way yeah. lopez Peggy basically like did a whole interview basically saying like, yeah, we're not going to make any signings. It's a really bad situation. Um, and I'm probably leaving like very, very soon. So wolves uh, were old too. So here's, yeah. here's what I'm betting. It's a, I bet wolves five to one. I bet palace plus seven fifty. I bet West ham 14 to one to be relegated. I think all three of them are going to fall back into that pack. And I know all three of them wolves less. So, but all three of them had those underlying numbers that were better than those relegation teams last year, but all three of them have 0.0 attacking quality outside of maybe Jared Bowen and Elise if he stays. Like Palace, if they keep Elise, I think maybe has enough with their defense being good. But if he leaves, they don't have money. It's going to be hard to get somebody to come in to play with Hodgson. It's a very tricky situation. So uh, I, I'm betting all three of them to be relegated. Uh, you know, the Mitrovic stuff in Fulham, now I'm getting scared on them too. Fulham to be bottom. Like I said, I don't want these Burnley Bournemouth forest teams because the price isn't that good when I don't think there's much of a gap there. There it's just a blob. That's yep. Yeah, and and uh, Bet365 has uh market and you'll you'll see these pop up around around the uh the betting sphere of uh 
a a tricast for relegation. So in other words, just yeah, getting all three teams. You know, think of it as like a three leg parlay of of teams being relegated. You could have some fun. Like you, you want to set aside thirty bucks and and put ten dollars on on three different long oh. shots where you're throwing in, um, just yeah, any any combination involving Fulham and Wood, Fulham, Fulham and Wolves, I think, and I you think can even you can say West Ham, like West. I think West Ham yeah, too, like or you can even throw Luton in there if you truly believe like Luton's the worst right. team in the Premier League and everything. Like, well, I mean, I I don't think they're. I mean, yes, like talent wise, they're the worst team, but like if you want to throw them in with those two, like you can still get a really good price on this. Yeah, it's uh, th- th- this is this is also the product of like all three teams staying up last year. Which like yep. never happens. Yeah, and we we haven't really talked about Nottingham Forest and Bournemouth much. We like Bournemouth. Forest we're kind of uncertain about, but like there's also the second year syndrome for some of those teams. Fulham would be the classic example. Fulham is like the Sheffield of a couple of years ago that you know they had that great first year and they were the worst team in the league. You could see the you could see the bearings of that uh, forming already. All right, yeah. So I've talked myself into Fulham, Luton, and Wolves at 125 to one. There you go. I, I think all five. I think they might have to relegate like six teams this year. <laughs> Honestly, like, and, and like, there's a yeah, lot of teams in the championship. I would just like, like, like I just want everyone to go bust. Oh yeah, so, I, I already just... miss Leicester and Leeds. Like Leicester and Leeds are better than like six of these teams. Yep. Le- oh, by Leeds, the way, uh, Leeds and Leicester could finish like twelfth this year. I got to do a shameless program. promotion. Uh, I wrote up an English Championship futures uh, column for the season. So if you're interested in that, go to theactionnetwork.com and read it. Uh, but but uh, Middlesbrough is winning the league. What are they? What's their odds? Eleven to one. Eleven to one. Mm. The Borough. Michael Carrick. Get all three Northeast teams back in the or North, yep. uh, you know, in Northwest teams in, in the Premier League. If we can get Sunderland up too, um, oh, that'd be great. We need we need the uh, we need that Derby them in Newcastle. That Derby that's one of the best Derbies out there. We need that back. All right, Golden Boot time. Nothing else on relegation, right? <laughs> we're, we're rele- so we've relegated. Lay it, lay it, lay it with the relegated Holland. Luton. Let's move on. Let's see. We relegated Luton, <laughs> Fulham, Wolves, Palace, um, West Ham, and West Ham. So five teams we've relegated, and not uh, even Sheffield, who uh, yeah, yeah, <laughs> who lost their best player. <laughs> and we, and we hate Bur- we think Burnley's overrated, but we're not relegating them, even though they're only yeah. Okay, hopefully you got all that down. Um, <laughs> Golden Boot should be a little bit more straightforward. Um. I'm going to go first because we talked a little bit about him earlier. One one of the things we talked about at the end of last season was I can't wait to see what they post Brighton at to win yeah. the Premier League. Hopefully we get like triple digits. Uh, whoops. The market yeah. market knows that Brighton's a good team. The gig is up, Michael. Yeah, the gig is up. Uh, Damn. And the the next my next thought was we'll see what we can get Evan Ferguson at. Right. To, to win the golden boot. Hopefully we'll get, you know, a big number. I've seen him as low as 30 to one, but there is a 50, there's a 50, oh, man. there's a 50 to one out there. That's insane. You're betting on one. one. That's the most one. like the gig is Isak up. Isak like, isn't even 30 to one. I know. I know. Oh, oh my gosh. Everybody. Just loves him. But he's, uh, he's, he, he is as high as you can, you can find a 50 on him. I think if you are going to be betting Brighton, to like finish top six, it, it 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 almost just makes sense to, or or top four, it makes sense to to bet Ferguson to win the Golden Boot too, because uh, you're gonna need a big season out of him. They generate a ton, he scores a ton. He's young, he's only he's gonna Erling, get better. He's Erling Holland. Yeah, he he's 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 the Irish Holland. He is. He's only gonna get that, better. Dead seriously, yeah. And I'm being dead serious. 
and the way that this market kind of breaks down is similar to the title race, I would say, where it's like you got the odds on favorite. You're going to need something wrong to go wrong for Holland, right? He's either going to have to start slow, get hurt, whatever. He's got to get and, hurt. And if he, but if he <laughs> does, and if he does, uh, then the pack is wide open, I think. Like, and Ferguson, Anthony, you, you said it. Like, I think he's got 20 goal per- potential. If you can get 22, maybe, like, you're within a shot here as long as Holland doesn't play half the season. Um, It'd be nice if Kane would get sold too. Yeah. And and no, that no. that kind of cor- that, that now that you mentioned it, the only other one I, I have any interest in is is Richarlison at hundred to one, and I would just would bet it now and and in case Kane gets sold and uh, this this Ange Postacoglu revolution at at Spurs, which I think should drive up their goal scoring numbers quite a bit, um, leads to Richarlison having a, a massive season. I, I think he's going to. He's 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 such a good player. Uh, and, and he was robbed of a season by evil Spurs last year. So, but he had the uh, moment against Liverpool, Michael. He did. Yeah, and, and he was great at the World Cup. Yep. And we miss him terribly at Everton. But those would be the only two that I have any interest in. I know uh, BJ could tell us about another one that. Yeah. Another guy that I was like, can you just make this? Can they just throw us a bone and make either yeah. Ferguson or Ishak a hundred to one? I know. I mean, I like Ishak at 40 to 1. Like I said before, I truly think he's a top five striker in the Premier League in terms of a talent level. He's got every single finish that, you know, you could imagine as a striker. And, you know, I wrote about him in the summer about how, you know, Newcastle and their style of play leads to so many transitional opportunities, leads to so many great chances for him to score. And he did have like what you, so to win this, you're going to have to take a striker that has the potential to essentially go on a run like, like Holland did. So there was a period from about March towards close to the end of April where Ishak scored eight, I think it was eight goals in seven matches and was just scoring from everywhere. Newcastle was flying offensively. What you need him to do is to be able to have that type production. And he's obviously not going to peak that for an entire season, but have those little runs throughout the season to try and catch Holland. I found it interesting, Michael, Hollands, do you want to guess what Hollands over under for goals is this season? For in the Premier League only. 33 and a half. It's 29 and a half. He cre- he had 28.4 expected goals last season. So they know. Like they know that he over he did overperform, but also he was like he miles. Yeah. What? He's just he's always gonna overperform. He's yeah, he's a, he is. He's he's, he's a great striker. He's always, yeah, he's he's great. He's gonna overperform. It is what it is. Um, but yeah, it's just hard in this market because I mean, Holland's minus one forty <laughs> to win the Golden Boot. Um, I don't know if I've ever seen somebody at a minus number uh, to win the Golden Boot in England, uh, especially a league with so many great strikers. But again, for a striker like Ishak, who's playing for a top four team, what should be a top five or six offense in the Premier League, and given the talent that he has, the the potential is through the roof. And I think you have to find somebody in this lower tier that has that ceiling of somebody like a Ferguson, somebody like an Ishak who has that ceiling to be able to potentially catch Holland if something goes wrong with him. So uh, Ishak at 40 to one is my only golden boot future. Also, Michael, to add on to that, um, you can go read at the action network.com. I wrote up a little thing about Evan Ferguson uh, going into the season, you know, bet three, six, five has his uh, over under for goals at 15 and a half at even money. I've already bet him over, uh, over 15, or excuse me, it's over 15 goals. So 14 and a half. So over 15 goals, uh, this season, I think that's a, 
a dangerously low number for somebody like you mentioned has the crazy a crazy ceiling at only 18 years old playing for one uh, top four offense in the Premier League. So, and also Betty Shack over 25 goals at 14 to one just in case Holland decides to score 40 goals. Yeah, you pretty much only have a chance in the Golden Boot market. I think if Holland's out yeah. uh, for an extended period of time, like he misses like 10 matches. Um, Isak would be the name for me too if I had to bet it. Uh, he did have 10 goals in 1790s. So if you scaled yeah. it up because he came in late, kind of was hurt. If he played 3090s, 35, could he get to 2025? 20, Sala on the way down. Kane maybe gets sold. Darwizzi is interesting. Darwin Nunez. Yeah, he's too short. Is, is he going to play? Too though? short, though. Yeah. That's the thing, too. That's like, is too he short. playing main Gakpo striker? Started with over him. Yeah, he's not going right. to take pens. Like, he's but he was putting up like six shots per ninety. Last Who year. it was? I think it was Jota. We all were. We all liked Jota last year. Jota was at what? But he was at. I like, heard the day after we recorded. He was thirty-three to one. Like, he was thirty-three. Right. So like Nunez is half that number. So if, well, if, Nunez is better than Jota. Yeah, I know. But I'm, I'm I saying mean, like, is, if, we, if like, we were walking yeah. into like that situation, I think we could all talk about uh, like even yeah. twenty-five or you know thirty. You know Darwin's the kind of guy that if he did have that go year. Like yeah. I do think he will have a 25 goal season. Like he's just that talented. But yeah, like you said, 16 to one when Ishak is more than double is just crazy. Yeah, you need what you need is a a really talented striker on a top four or five offense. Like none of these teams, you know, like nobody on Aston Villa. You know, no Ollie Watkins is not no. going to contend for it. So you need one of these to Brighton's, Liverpool's, Arsenal's. I think there's two goal scorings too spread out with Arsenal to actually take anybody from them. As you saw, if, last if Saka was on pens, yeah, just, yeah. Uh, that, see, that's interesting to me because he's 21 and then yeah, he took he's the on, lead he's been on year. pens for them for a long time. Odegaard right. scored 15 goals for them last year, like they spread yeah. it out too much. Martinelli scored, I think, but they do until like they, they don't, though. What do you mean? Like, like they, Jesus is already out, yeah, yeah but then they also brought they in, they brought also brought out, Burns. Wasn't he out last year. Yeah, Niketa. I'm telling you. Yeah, well, he missed the second half of the season. Yeah, Niketa is is every bit as good. Niketa is so mid, man. No, he's not. He's so mid. He's so mid that they're like bringing Balogun. They might keep him. Balogun's not going to play, but like, no. I mean, Niketa had great goal scoring production when Jesus was out. There wasn't this massive drop off when he was like. People forget like Jesus was there for the the end of the season when Arsenal was just getting ripped apart defensively, and he really. I mean, he had good XG number, but like, <laughs> nah, Jesus is the man. But uh, I mean, he's great. I, I'm, I'm not I'm, saying he's bad, but I'm also saying like Niketa's up there with the level with him. So I don't think there's going to be this big drop off. And also, you're bringing Kai Havertz as well. So like, the, there's so many players in this Arsenal team that yeah. you know, have the goals. So I don't think you can take really anybody on those. And same thing with Liverpool. It's like the goal scoring is so spread out with them that I, I don't really see taking anybody from them. Like, so it's just like. I mean, and you know what's Hall- you know what's sick is if you Hall- bet it, but... if if Holland gets hurt, it's just going to be Julian Alvarez, anyways. Maybe well, I, and his odds are short too. I, I, <laughs> I know. I, I can't remember what he is. <laughs> it's, so basically, it, what we're saying is the hold on the Golden Boot market is really big, and it's it's kind. If of... you're going to take Alvarez, he's nine to one to be City's top goal scorer. Like, you want to guess what Erling Holland is to be City's top goal scorer this season? Minus same price hundred. Minus two thousand. So, uh, yeah. So, like, he basically has to get hurt for him not to win that. Yeah. So, and if he does, like, and hurt, hurt, like, not hurt, injured, like tearing yeah. the ACL. Injured, yeah, that's what we're talking yeah. about. So, uh, yeah. right. All right. So, uh, let's wrap this thing up. Uh, before we do, we'll note that we'll be back um, on our regular 
schedule programming uh, ahead of week one, which means that you'll hear from us thir- Thursday morning previewing the upcoming weekend uh, weekend's matches. That will be August the 10th, I believe, this, yeah, because the season starts on the 11th with uh, Vincent Company versus Pep Guardiola on a Friday afternoon kickoff. The, the infamous Friday afternoon kickoff where usually Arsenal plays and either loses to Brentford or gets really lucky in a win against yep. Palace. Um, but this year it'll be uh, City and Burnley. We'll also have our second annual over-under draft with our buddy Alan Shapiro from the FML FPL podcast. That'll come out early next week. Anthony and BJ will break down the rest of the European leagues and pick out their favorite bets there. Um, we should have just did a relegation odds bet draft because yeah. it was like, oh, let me just ask you real quick. I don't want you to go over 10 seconds explaining it. If you had the first pick in a relegation odds draft, who would, who would you pick Anthony? Uh, do I have to bet it? Yeah. Wolves. Wolves. I'll take full on. I would have, I probably would have taken, I probably would have taken Wolves or Wolves or West Ham. So I'll say West Ham. We should also mention, Michael, that uh, me and Anthony uh, will be also on Friday um, where we're recording a Women's World Cup round of 16 podcast. So if you're still, so busy, yeah, so, so busy over in that, here. You know, busy that'll time. Be out, yep. That'll be coming out on Friday, um, which cool. is actually an interesting round of 16. Uh, all right. So let's uh, wrap up. Any other bets that we have? We'll be quick with these. We've already uh, gone pretty long and we apologize to our producers for that. Uh, BJ, we'll start with you. Yeah, I feel like one team we haven't talked about yet is Bournemouth. And it's a team that I think we're all kind of buying, you know, from what they have done in terms of changing their manager. You know, they brought in Adana Iorola from Raya Vallecano, which I Former think... Former NYCFC legend. Exactly, who I think incredibly raises the ceiling of what Bournemouth can be this season. Now, there's no data points out there that I can tell you that Bournemouth, like, you know, by expected goals or any type of metric that they are going to be a top 10 type team. But from the slog that we've talked about of any of the teams that have all these problems, like Bournemouth, if we remember last season, going into last season, they were kind of in this Luton town like mold where I think their point total was 32 and a half going into the season. Mm -hmm. They made no investments in their squad and they kind of just rolled with what they had in the championship. And then, you know, Scott Parker, you know, gets beat nine, nothing by Liverpool. He gets sacked. They bring in Gary O'Neill and, you know, he kind of took and he, you know, kind of took them to the peak of what they could be. And they made a lot of investments in the January transfer window because they had the change in ownership. They had money. They brought in a lot of young talent, you know, Hamad Traore, Oatara, uh, Zabrani, who's a very promising center back who didn't really feature last season. I mean, this is a, you know, Ukrainian center back who started at the age of 18 for Ukraine in the Euros in 2021. Uh, And Iroh is going to immediately change what Bournemouth was because obviously Bournemouth was this, passive team that was just trying to play in transition like he plays a very very unique style like think of you know one of his he said one of his in a lot of these managers one of his favorite managers to or his idols is Marcelo Bielsa so he plays this intense pressing style at Viacano and get moves them up into the top half of the table last season I mean they finished last season with the second most high turnovers to Bilbao the third best passes per defensive action and another key aspect of him is once they win the ball, he wants these quick transitions to catch teams out of position. So they had the most shots in La Liga 
off of forced high turnovers. Like that is the perfect blend of what Bournemouth is trying to become. Because if you remember at the end of last season, we kept betting Bournemouth to score because they were so dangerous in transition with all these new pieces in their squad. And they actually, for a period from about January, and they obviously, you know, once they were safe from relegation, they kind of fell off. But they finished like from a good three or four month period as a top 10 team in expected goals for. So the ceiling for Bournemouth, they've made investments in their squad. They've brought in a ton of young talent. And I think they're a team, if you're going to pick out, you know, there's a clear top nine uh, in the Premier League. It's like, who's going to finish in that 10th spot? We love Brentford, but they're going to be without Ivan Tony for uh, about half of the season. So if you're going to take a shot on one of these teams, I think Bournemouth has absolutely the most upside to finish in the top 10. So I like them at nine to one to finish in the top 10. Again, this is the team that had the worst expected goal differential in the Premier League last season. So I can't give you really any like awesome data point that tells you this, but given the manager change, it really raises the ceiling of what Bournemouth can be. So I think there's going to be some good times in the South coast this season. And I think there's a decent shot that of all these teams that Bournemouth is the best, has the best shot at, at the price to finish inside the top 10. And I'll just do one more uh, most assists. Bruno Fernandes, you can find him at 12 to one out there. He led the premier league with 17.4 expected assists last season, but only had eight assists because of some poor finishing from United. So now you bring in all these, you bring in Highland. Hopefully, you know, obviously these other offensive options like Anthony have better seasons and uh, price of 12 to one, I think is just too good for a guy who literally created the most assists uh, last season. So those are my other two bets. And then try cast, these are always fun, but Arsenal City, Newcastle, but I've already talked about them. 150 to one. I think it's a, a decent price for that, how how the Premier League should finish. Bournemouth is a is a team that I think will probably pull two, maybe three, like big, big upsets for it. They for, did. They beat Liverpool this, and this they season. beat Tottenham last season. Yeah. Like they did pull off a couple big upsets and they can do it again this season. Yeah. They're they're they gonna wolves I, as well. There was a notable yeah. one. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it was. They were five to one. Crazy yeah, thing. I know. Yeah. I know. Um, Anthony, uh, you want to just run through your, your list of bets here? Yeah, there's a lot of matchup stuff. And I think that this year is probably the most fun year you'll ever have to play matchups because of the blobs, because you know, the relegation market, <laughs> that should be the title of this episode, by the way, the, blobs. the year of the blobs, the year of the blobs. So like Arsenal over United is minus minus one thirty. Uh, I think Arsenal has a much higher floor than United and a much higher ceiling than United. Uh, I think that uh, they were much, much better last year, like almost a half goal per game in XG underlying numbers. Brighton minus 155 against Villa. We'll get into Villa more in that point total draft. I don't want to go too deep into everything right now because we've kind of run long here. And then, you know, Brentford, man. So like they're priced at the bot, like in the blob. And I just don't think they're in the blob. I don't think that like of those teams in that upper 10 to 15 range, uh, Brentford loses Tony, but Brentford was also like not in that range last year. They were eighth or seventh. They lose Tony. Okay. Maybe now their ceiling is lower, but plus 140 to finish above West Ham, minus 120 to finish above Fulham and Wolves. Uh, like, I'm sorry. I'm going to be betting that again with Brentford matchups. Uh, I think those are some great looks. And you can also find a bunch of plus money tickets. If you, you know, like Bournemouth enough and think that maybe nine to one top half might be a little too far. There are a lot of plus money matchups where you can bet this Bournemouth team. I agree with everything BJ said about Areola from, from Viacano. I mean, they were our favorite team in Spain last year, one of our favorite teams um, in the last two years. 
there is a bunch of plus money prices out there on Bournemouth to finish above some of these teams like Fulham, Wolves, West Ham, who we think have done uh, jack to get better. So that's where I'm looking. Uh, I will be playing a bunch of matchups this year because I think that that's just the most fun way to get into it. Uh, Last year, Arsenal United was plus money and Palace Wolves was plus money. Now we're, uh, you know, a little bit juicier on some of these, but uh, Brentford to finish above some of their compatriots uh, is, is a great bet. I think Arsenal over United as well. Brighton and Villa. I think Villa has some regression coming, even though I like what Emery's done. I'll throw a try cast in there as well. Um, City, Newcastle, Spurs at 200 to 1. Like I said, I think Newcastle just has like this uh, of these teams in that top blob is is the, the one outside of City, of course, that just feels the steadiest. Uh, and I really think Tottenham Anthony's this this could be Tottenham's year this is this is the league is set up for for a team like them uh to not or to to gate crash so uh give me the Spurs give me Anthony Spurs to to have a big year so that TriCast City Newcastle and Spurs at 201 I mentioned that that uh relegation one and (sighs) should we bet Mudrick most assists at 50 to 1 no, 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 no. That's not good enough. Also, there's just so many better players. They're yeah. hard, but they're just not. They just don't have the hair. They didn't have the height. <laughs> He's going to be a very interesting player to see how he fits within, you know, Chelsea. Like, does he actually peak at that left wing role? Like, is, you know, Nicholas Jackson going to peak? Like, there's a lot of, I think there's way more question marks with Chelsea than the mark is. And then people are making out to be right question now. Question marks can be good. Yeah, well, that's be, what I'm saying. And, and but they can guy, also cause you to completely fall off. Be, they could also be bad. They yeah. can also be really bad. Like maybe only having one midfielder might be a bad stretch. They do need another one of those. Mauricio Pochettino <laughs> uh, is magic as far as I'm concerned. But what happens, because here's the thing with Chelsea, what happens if Enzo Fernandez gets hurt? They have literally nothing else to play in the middle of the pitch, which is the most important place to be on a soccer field. I'd already strike it's more important these days, but... Uh, all right, so you guys can have, have that, you guys have that conversation. Ball, you guys can have that conversation in in your your text problem. messages. Uh, while we try to wrap this thing up, uh, once again, we'll uh we'll be back plenty over the next few days. Women's World Cup, point total draft, go through the other leagues in Europe, and then of course, looking at match day one in the Premier League starts on August 11th with uh, City and Burnley. We'll have our our normal, you know, match by match breakdowns, favorite bets, underdog parlay. The whole kit and caboodle is back. Wonder Goal is back. Anthony is back. BJ's back so betting excited. on betting on Arsenal uh, to win the league at uh, basically a what could go wrong minus one minus one ten. Yeah, it's a dis- disastrous number. Um, <laughs> so thank you for listening. Thank you for sticking with us this entire uh, marathon episode. Thank you to our producers and our video folks. I'm Michael Leboff. That's Anthony DeBundo, BJ Cunningham. This has been Wonder Goal presented to you by Bet365. Action Network reminds you, please gamble responsibly. If you or someone you care about has a gambling problem, help is available 24-7 at 1-800-GAMBLER.